Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops Podcast, we are back. The NBA Draft has come and gone. There's some big news to get into before we start. BJ Armstrong, my guy, how are you today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. A lot of activity in the NBA and and uh, another, it's never a dull moment here. And now we're headed right into free agency. Um, I got to say, before we started, I made a joke about your t-shirt. But oh, you, you pre- love that t-shirt. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's pretty awesome. Look at that. Look so, at that t-shirt. So real quick, before we welcome Mark Medina of USA Today, I want to know, 1977, Star Wars <laughs> comes out. Did you see it in the movie theater? Come on. Come on. This what is what I like? do. I was negative one years old. Uh, I, w- I was, Share I it. was like, I remember I was, I was very young. I was like 10 or 11 or something. And there were so many things that I missed then. Uh, and it's been fun to, to watch. And my kids now make fun of me because I am a huge Star Wars fan, Star Wars fan. But more, more importantly, the thing about Star Wars that it always makes me feel good because it reminds me of this space in my life that I've been able to grow with my entire life following this same story. So, you know, George Lucas, what a, it was, it was a fabulous story. It's like, you know, it reminded me of watching like a soap opera, right? It was like a space soap opera where you're watching this family and you're watching all of this dysfunction and love and, right and wrong and morals yeah. and all the things so it just it's like here i am 53 and i'm still following the story so it's been one of the more fascinating things i've i've kind of grown up with this and i still love it so the mandalorian i can't wait i watch that every week on disney plus so shout out to disney plus I'm, i I'm heard it's good here. i heard it, it is good. it's beyond good you know the clone wars it. and the, the the rebel series dave filoni I mean, I'm a huge, huge, you probably didn't know that. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, huge. So um, it's, it's great storytelling. I mean, I just love the storytelling. So it's one of those things that I've grown up with my entire life, it seems like. So um, Love it. Love it. So now when I disagree with you on something, I could just simply say these are not the droids you're looking for, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a much deeper meaning than that. See, it's a much deeper meaning than that. Uh, Us, our true Star Wars fans, they're more than droids. You know, you can't just say that. So, But we, we, we get it. We get it. So many similarities between uh, the force, the dark side, and NBA basketball. Culture. It's all about the balance. It's, it's all about the balance. <laughs> it's, See, it's, it's, not, it's not about good and bad, you know, good versus evil. It's all yep. about the balance. Yep. Well, it's all about the speaking balance. Of, <laughs> speaking of the balance, uh, excited to welcome back Mark Medina from USA Today. 
Last time we spoke to this man, BJ, he was boarded up in the bubble. He was not allowed to leave his room. He was following protocol, and he has made it out. Mr. Mark Medina, welcome back to the Pure Hoops podcast, my friend. How are you? Eric, good to see you. The, the 2020 obvious caveats aside, I'm good. I'm back in L.A. It's, it's nice weather, even better than Florida, where it was hot there, but always humid, and it's, it, it's been nice to be out of the bubble. But, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of challenges away, but I'm excited for this uh, upcoming season. Yeah, let's, let's jump right in. Um, you know, NBA draft was Wednesday. We've got trades, and we also have the unfortunate news of what has gone down with Clay Thompson, which is now officially an Achilles tendon tear. So let's jump in first. Um, what's the buzz from the Warriors? How does this affect uh, short-term planning for the upcoming season and, of course, long-term planning as they were looking to get back into championship form and open up that window again? Well, it's devastating for the Warriors because Clay Thompson missed the entire season last year because of an ACL injury in his left knee. Now here, it's his right leg with an Achilles, but as you guys know, those injuries are serious. Um, Dominique Wilkins is probably the lone NBA player that played better post-Achilles and whatnot. So even if there is a track record of players returning from an Achilles injury, a la Kobe Bryant and some other guys, Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles uh, for this upcoming season, there, there's a lot of challenges that await. And I think when you're looking at the team themselves, they were trying to round the corner of getting back to what they were used to before with getting back from the championships. Now there was a debate are they championship contending worthy again or just playoff contending worthy with you when you have Steph Curry and Draymond Green coming back and then a number two pick of a handful of young players. But I think it goes without saying that when you lose Clay Thompson for an entire year, I think the idea of lumping them as with the other championship contending teams is a reach. Um, and then with Clay, it's just very unprecedented before his knee injury last year, he was seen as one of the NBA's Ironmen. He missed very few games, had missed, you know, only one playoff game his entire career before that. So it's, it's very uncharacteristic uh, and very unfortunate that he went through another thing like this. You know, Mark, uh, it is very unfortunate and, you know, and our, our prayers are out to him and hopefully, you know, he's able to get through this and it has to be a very, devastating time for him in many regards because he was just coming off another <clears throat> excuse me significant injury in an ACL and now he has an Achilles but the the big question mark is I want to ask you is what does this mean for the organ for the organization what direction do they go in because you know you don't just come back from these type of significant injuries right in the latest injury with Kevin Durant you know we are anticipating that he's going to get back at some point to that level. But in working with athletes in the way I do, you know, these athletes, they need time, you know, they are human. And what does this mean for the organization moving forward and what direction do you think they'll take? Well, they're certainly at a crossroads, but knowing how the Warriors operate, I mean, they're going to try to find a way that there is a path to at least be a playoff contending team. Um, you know, obviously no team wants to go through rebuilding, but the idea of them taking a long view, I think one of the things that's really inhibited them from doing that 
is the reality that Steph Curry and Draymond Green are on the team. They're in the prime of their careers, and the idea of wasting their years with prolonged rebuilding processes won't sit well with either of those players. It won't sit well for the organization. Now, relatively speaking, compared to last year, they are on a better path because you have a healthy Steph and Draymond. You have a number two pick in James Wiseman. There's more development with some of these young players that they have with Eric Paschal, most notably. Kevon Looney is now healthy. But I think you guys have to keep in perspective that last year, it was only four games, mind you, so it was a small sample size. But it was very clear that the Warriors were having a lot of challenges, even with a healthy Steph and Draymond, because they were struggling adapting without Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston. So I don't think it's automatic to think, oh, well, if they're not a championship contending team, at least they'll be a playoff caliber team that can make some noise. I, I wouldn't rule that out, but I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, so it's a, it's a really tight rope that the Warriors are navigating. But I, I don't want to say there's a silver lining, but at least there are some tools at their disposal that they can use. They have a $17.2 million trade exception that ownership has given Bob Myers the green light to use. Um, and they have Steph and Draymond healthy. And as long as they're healthy, you always still have some sort of fighter's chance to be in the mix. Mark, knowing the talent of Wiseman and what he could be, especially in that organizational culture, Draymond, Curry, the improvements that Wiggins clearly made last year and, and seems like he could be comfortable there, even though a lot of people thought he was a candidate to get traded. You mentioned that exemption. Is there a guy out there right now on the market who you think they could target that makes sense for them, at least for this year? with Clay out, if not for the next two to three? Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Andrew Wiggins because I forgot to include him. That's definitely helpful, too. As far as what they use for the trade exception, I think it goes without saying, you got to look at backcourt options and wing players. And Bob Myers had said that this is something that they were looking at even before Clay's injury, but it's even more pronounced. But the problem is there's not really those kind of caliber of players on the market. I mean, Austin Rivers – is a good option in terms of bolstering depth, but he's not the caliber of talent that Clay is. And certainly at 17.2, uh, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't made that kind of money. Um, so, you know, I'm just curious, can they lump certain players together with that? And, and, the, and the challenging thing is with this trade exception, it's use it or lose it. It's not like that they can wait and say, okay, we didn't want, we didn't get what we wanted in free agency. We'll just wait until next season and see what we can do with the trade deadline. So it's, it's going to be a, a tough go round with what they do. You, you know, in saying, what does this mean for Wiggins? Because there were some rumors behind, you know, and listening and, and being around the NBA circles. There were some rumors about possibly moving Wiggins. What does yeah. that mean for Andrew Wiggins now with the Warriors organization? Well, I think it was the same approach, but now it's a matter of the timing. When they traded uh, D'Angelo Russell to get him, you know, for sure they felt that they were filling a positional need because they didn't have a, a defensive wing player since Kevin Durant left. 
but it was still under the guise of we have a young asset that's an attractive contract and we won't we won't hesitate with flipping that now does the timing change because of this maybe if clay wasn't hurt this is something that they would have seen how andrew plays at the beginning of the season both to see how he's developing and also to build up his value before the trade deadline that calculus could change this summer but it really remains to be seen what they're doing can they package that with the trade exception and anything else as far as other role players who knows i think you know that idea of hey maybe they could do this to get Giannis is probably out the window um, because the bucks made the deals that they made with getting drew holiday and even if the pogadon Bogdanovich uh, signing didn't kind of blew up for whatever reason with that sign-in trade. Um, they're getting assurances that this is a deal that Giannis wanted, and they're pretty confident that he'll sign the Supermark. So, yeah, the Warriors are in a very, very precarious spot, and really the only upside that they can point to is you have a healthy Steph and, and Draymond. I think Wiseman – there's not the pressure of him being the number one guy, but they have optimism that he can play 20, 25 minutes a night. He checks off a box that they didn't have a center before, now they do. But is that enough to be a playoff contending team in the West? Who knows? Uh, but so I answer your question. The Warriors are going to be aggressive, but I just don't know what's available out there. Mark, you mentioned Wiseman and, you know, two-part question. One, What's the gut on him in terms of being able to step in and play real NBA minutes right now? Obviously, there's an exciting combo here with him and Draymond in that front court together. Um, so, you know, will he be ready for that even in the 20 minute variety? And then the second uh, part of the question is uh, coming out of the draft, is there anybody? that got a, uh, a ready-made guy on draft night who's ready to add to a contending club. Yeah, as far as Wiseman goes, and this is for everyone, but it, it remains to be seen. I mean, these guys haven't played basketball, college basketball since, you know, the season ended. And, and specifically with Wiseman, he played literally three games. Um, and this is a short turnaround. There's no summer league. So I think that teams are anticipating – with the Warriors, not just with Wiseman, but across the league, that uh, there are going to be hiccups open the season. I think in Wiseman's case, the fact that he's not seen as the number one guy and he has the benefit of playing the Warriors culture and playing with Steph and Draymond, that can teach him habits uh, that are pretty strong, number one, but also relieve the pressure. But I think that he can check some immediate boxes of a player that's capable of playing 20 quality minutes a night and providing instant rim protection and defense. Um, but also there's things that are left that might take some time in terms of him developing his jump shot and just figuring out the kinks of, you know, adapting to the NBA in terms of the schedule and all that. Um, as far as to the broader question with the NBA draft, I don't think that there is a guy that is instant impact and that was kind of the blessing and the curse of this draft where, you know, the talent level, it was fine, but there was not a LeBron James or a Zion Williamson. But at the same time for the, for the teams, they felt comforted that they weren't making a decision where this is the outcome that was hinged on. They felt 
because of the lack of the fact that there was a lack of an NCAA tournament and a lack of having like really real authentic in-person interactions that they were in an information uh, void here, even if they had more games to evaluate and a million Zoom calls to do. And so I think with, with Anthony Edwards, with the Timberwolves, it's different than the Warriors, obviously, but he is coming into that organization seen as the third guy with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And then with the Hornets, you know, I, I would say maybe there's more responsibility with LaMelo Ball there, um, but it, it's not like there's any expectation for many of these teams high in the lottery that all of a sudden their fortunes are changing overnight because of that specific player. Now let's come down the coast a little bit to Southern California to our good friends, the Lakers. They're always in the headlines. What's going on there? You know, I, I, I know um, our good friend Rob Palinka had a brief uh, time with the press here earlier today. What can you share with us? What's going on in, uh, in Lakerland? Yeah, well, I was on that Zoom call earlier today, and, I mean, you, you know how this works in free agency, uh, BJ. The, the, the executives aren't tipping their hands on it. But, uh, you have nothing girl, to share? You have nothing to share? Or I, I, you know, have any, any, anything inside you can share with me? Well, well, Especially that after that not, smooth transition down the coast. You got to have help. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to give you the caveat of, hey, he's not going chapter and verse, but you can connect the dots of how he's viewing things. It looks like he is, is pretty determined to try to thread the needle of two ideas. Um, not just not think that, hey, you have to run it back just for the sake of running it back because you won the title, but also foster continuity. Now, some of those things are easy to say and it's rhetoric, but I, I truly believe that they're capable of doing that, frankly, because they did this with this deal earlier this week with Oklahoma City where they got – Dennis Schroeder, um, you know, they traded Danny Green. They traded the number 28 pick. And I think maybe some teams philosophically would have been hesitant of trading a number 28 pick because it's, you know, the guys can be a young prospect that you can develop. But the reality is when you look at the history of a 28 pick, Tony Parker is like the lone exception of that pick turning into a star player. And the majority of the players, they don't even last more than five years. And with, with Schroeder specifically, look, he was a really good secondary scorer, a six-man-of-the-year candidate, and he's younger than Danny Green. So I think it checks all the boxes of when you're a championship team, how do you improve you know, on the fringes? You, you try to get younger where you can. You don't want to give up too many assets, but in this case, a 28th pick isn't too much of a game-changer. So uh, I think what this means with free agency – um, you're looking at a number of guys that have player options. Yes, Anthony Davis opted out, but it's the expectation and certainly the hope for the Lakers. He's coming back there. But everyone else, when you're looking at Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo and JaVel McGee, you know, I, I think they have to really prioritize. Are they worth keeping from a skill perspective and also from a monetary perspective? And I think whether some of those guys opt in or opt out, that's, that's the challenge that I think the, the Lakers are facing. But I think that they've determined pretty well which of those guys they would keep and which ones won it, depending on what they do with the option. Mark, 
the move for Schroeder, which I think we can all agree was a very, very good move for a variety of reasons, which uh, you mentioned. But does this point to the end of Rondo in L.A. unless he accepts a deal uh, that was in the range of what he already had? Obviously, had uh, some playoff Rondo performances and proved that he can still be a very valuable piece on, uh, on a championship contending team. What do you think? Yeah, without a doubt, one of the reasons why the Lakers pulled this deal off was to anticipate Rondo possibly leaving, but it's certainly not the Lakers' choice for Rondo to leave. That, frankly, is going to be up to him, and then what can he attract on the open market? But I think that the Lakers are going to be willing to spend to keep him. Um, some of the other players, I think, are a little bit different. If Avery Bradley opts out, as much as they liked him as a wing defender – and you understand it was a personal decision that the Lakers fully respected and supported with him not being in the bubble. But look, they were able to get by and make up for his absence. Uh, you look at a guy like Dwight Howard. I mean, he, he's been on a podcast suggesting, hey, you know, the idea of taking a minimum salary isn't what he wants to do again, which is totally fine. Like you got to you got to see what you can earn on the open market. But it seemed during the season, in particular during the playoffs, the need for him was very circumstantial. Sometimes he was valuable, uh, like against the Houston Rockets and then some, or against the Denver Nuggets, but then sometimes he wasn't used, uh, like when they played against Houston. So if I had to guess, I think he's probably gone. Uh, JaVel McGee is interesting because um, I, I think that the Lakers like him. Um, and, and see his upside, but also it depends on what he's valuing and also what they can get because they also want to be able to find players that allow them to go small when need be. That's interesting. Hey, BJ, and I want to get your thoughts on this too. You know, Dwight played so well and was so comfortable there. Obviously, McGee has, um, you know, between his time with the Warriors and and when he was on the floor contributing for the Lakers. I mean, they both worked circumstantially at different times. Do you think they potentially shop for a guy who could come in and be what both of them provided in a way in terms of plugging that hole and then look elsewhere for that positional flexibility? And the guy that I'm thinking of who is available, uh, who has made a lot of money the last several years is, is you know, this bringing Tristan Thompson in um, make sense to fill that big position and not bring back either of those guys. Just wanted to throw that out there to, to both of you to see what you thought. Well, I think when you're building out a roster, you're going to have to figure out one and to address the needs of the position. And one of the key positions that's going to have to be addressed are wing defenders and wing shooters. Because the league now is predominantly a league that's played with positionless players. So when you look at the, you know, the, the teams and how the teams are constructed, and you start looking at the playoffs, Anthony Davis basically was the center for the L.A. Lakers throughout the entire run of the playoffs. Anthony Davis is a center. He prefers to play the power forward because he doesn't want to do all the banging. But once the playoffs begin – and when you really look on any team that Anthony Davis has played on since co in college, 
when he plays the center position, individually, he's the most effective. And that's the most effective thing for the team. Why? Because he has a significant advantage. So bringing in another center, when you already have a top five center in the NBA, I don't know where that sits on the priority list because when push comes to shove, Anthony Davis is going to be playing their center position when it's all said and done. That's a, that's just a fact. I mean, that's so now what does that mean? I think they have to feel the void of what this league is all about. Someone's going to have to defend these wing players, right? You know, you, you got your wings there in Boston with Jason Tatum and, Jalen Brown, you got the Kawhi Leonard's and Paul George, you have the James Harden's, you have all of these wing players that you're going to have to defend and you're going to have to play. You know, LeBron James, yes, he's ageless. Father time hasn't caught up with him yet, but at some point you got to believe that he doesn't have the energy to do it through an entire season plus the playoffs to play that way. So I think it's going to be unique to see what they can do and how they're going to build off the rest of their roster. You know, you, you know, you can't ever discredit, uh, you know, players they have on their team. Uh, I'm going, I'm drawing a blank here on the, on the guard, uh, Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was key and KCP was key. Yeah. Yeah. Those, you can't ever discredit or, or undervalue those type of players because those players are invaluable in today's game because they can guard ones, twos, and threes. And your best player right now is we have to be careful with LeBron, even though he has shown to be healthy and playing and all those things, you don't want to overextend him, especially during the regular season so that he can't be LeBron James that we've come, that we've all become accustomed to watching in the playoffs. And I think that's important. And you have to also protect Anthony Davis. You don't want him getting banged up against Jokic and Joel Embiid and all of those players. So I think they have a lot of holes to fill. And if I am looking at their team just from afar, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not in their locker room, obviously. I think the big concern for me is seeing how can I get enough wing players that can guard these, you know, these positionless guys that we're now seeing throughout the NBA. Because to me, that is the key to being a really good team in the NBA. And to back up BJ's point, I forgot to mention KCP. I think he's going to come back. Um, right. A lot of reasons because of what BJ said about the importance of having a wing player. But, you know, monetarily, uh, you know, the, the Lakers can spend whatever they want on him because they have his bird rights. Um, and they've become really encouraged with just how well he's developed as a player. Uh, you saw him during these playoffs. And so to, to back up and further uh, amplify BJ's point about the season, the Lakers have a, a pretty uh, clear-cut formula, but we don't know how it's going to seesaw. What is the exact amount of players that you need that are veterans versus young? You I, Ideally, you obviously have a mix of both, but where is the ratio, number one? And number two, where is the ratio of fostering some of the continuity beyond LeBron and AD versus having new guys that can bring freshness to a championship team. And because of the start of the schedule, you know, be able to hold the fort down to begin the season Uh, because it seemed very apparent from what Rob was saying on the conference call, you know, he he wasn't going to the lengths of, Hey, we're going to be load managing LeBron or AD or anyone else, but it seemed pretty obvious that they're trying, they're going to try to handle them with care 
as best they can and find different pockets in the schedule where they can afford to minimize the workload or rest them without cutting a corner. And their ability to do that, frankly, hinges on, okay, which players are ready for those, those opportunities. And if they're able to hit on those pick or on those options really well, they could set themselves up where they give these guys opportunities. It further develops them and prepares them for when the games count in the postseason and also makes them maybe feel engaged to open the season where they know this is their opportunity to state their case. But it, it's not a, an easy puzzle to assemble. Surely the Lakers are in a good spot right now because they have LeBron and AD. But when you're having to try to be aggressive but having to work within the confines of this structure, it can be a really challenging puzzle to figure out. You, you know, yeah. I, 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 want, I want to follow that up. Mark, real quick, is is it fair to say this as I'm listening to you talking and we're talking about the Lakers, is it fair to say this, Mark? It's time for Kyle Kuzma to step up to the plate. I think it is time for this young man to really step up and become that player that says, we see his potential. We know he has the ability to score. But I see this as an enormous opportunity for this young man now to step into the door with both feet and claim that he is going to be the best version of himself right now, because there is a, an opportunity for a young athletic player to step in on the wing position, positionless player to really fill that void who could play this style during the regular season, but more importantly, give them the scoring punch and a different look than what they currently have. I think it's time for him to step up to the plate now and say, let's see who this young man is. Yeah, really great point because he had some mixed results last year, dealing with his injury, but also adjusting to a new bench role to accommodate Anthony Davis's arrival here. And I thought it was very telling that when Rob Palink was asked about the idea of extending him, he praised Kuzma's development and the opportunity, but he didn't commit to the idea of, yeah, we're going to be extending him uh, because we have other things on our plate right now. So I'm connecting the dots here. I don't see that the Lakers have intentions of extending him. They're going to have him go through this season to see can he fulfill that job description that you outlined there, and how well he does that could either influence two different paths the Lakers take. They, they decide and get clarity, hey, he is a young player that will continue to foster and grow, or he's developed either fine enough or not well enough that we can try to get something in return before the trade deadline. So I think it is similar to past years where you should expect that he is going to be the guy that's linked to different trade discussions because that's one of the young assets that the Lakers have. But uh, you know, which road the Lakers take really hinges on how well he plays or not. And I, I think what is interesting with that is that there's not a clear-cut answer. If he plays really well, surely the Lakers will like that, but that might just help grease the wheels for his market value. Um, but I think for the Lakers, that gives them good flexibility because they, they, they could also choose the route. If there is not a right deal that fulfills a specific need, they at least have comfort level of they at least they have a young player 
that is continuing to show uh, forward progress that suggests that, you know, he could be special down the line. Yeah. Kuzma and Schroeder could take a lot of pressure off of LeBron and AD. And as you said before, with uh, the minutes and the workload with this short turnaround, that could be a key for them. Got to keep an eye on that. All right, let's go rapid fire around the league. A few other stops. Uh, the Sixers, obviously very busy, uh, all joking aside, because I always love to pick on their roster construction. They are doing something about it. So Horford goes to OKC. Richardson goes to Dallas. They bring in Danny Green. They bring in Seth Curry. They get uh, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. What do you make of these moves, and how much better is this roster now, or are we still looking at a work in progress? Well, it's still a work in progress, but I like the moves that Daryl Morey made. Look, I think Al Horford's a great player, but I don't think it was ever a great fit with Philly because of the fact that Joel Embiid's on the team, number one. And number two, you know, his cap, his salary was was taking a lot of the team's payroll there. And here with the Sixers deal, not only did they get out of that contract, but they also addressed some specific needs that were lacking last year, where they didn't have any shooters really to uh, make life easier for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So getting guys like Danny Green and Seth Curry are a good start um, because they at least, I don't want to say replaces, but at least addresses the loss that they had last year when J.J. Redick went to New Orleans. So I think Daryl is, uh, you know, doing what he did in Houston pretty well. I wonder what, what, our, Al, Horf- I wonder ahead, what Al Horford thinks now about leaving the Celtics. I just wanted to throw that out. Oh, stop for a, for it. A BJ, stop. It always goes chuckle. back to the stop it. You know what? And moving right along, Mark. Moving right along. Please excuse the, the, the Celtic stuff here. Hey, I'm playing Switzerland. I'll yeah, I know. I know. What, what about our good friends down there in the, in the Lone Star State? Our good friend, what, what's really going on in, 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 in the Rockets, you know, team there? What's happening here? I, I don't understand. Like, James Harden, is this true? Is this – can you verify did he really turn down a hundred million dollar extension? Can you just verify all of these things that's coming out of Houston right now, Mark? Yeah, the, the Houston problems are real, right? And look, I know that there's a lot of people that have different opinions on James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I think for both guys, I'm not naive to the, some of their shortcomings, but their strengths outweigh them. So when when you're looking at this. If you're going to kind of prioritize, okay, where did it all go wrong? Let's just call a spade a spade with Houston. It all goes directly to the top with the owner, Tillman Fertitta. I mean, there was a domino effect this past year where, you know, Mike D'Antoni had done a really good job as the head coach. They didn't want to extend him. He went through his final year as lame duck, but the writing was on the wall that he was going to be out. I think Daryl Morey then saw the same thing where it seemed like – a lot of times, uh, Tillman was worried more about luxury taxes and money than continuing to uh, encourage doing whatever you can to keep a championship roster together. And so I think that that's what affected Mike leaving. That's what affected Daryl leaving. And then it was a domino effect. I mean, James Harden and Russell Westbrook liked both of those guys. And now they're wondering, okay, what's next? What are you guys going to do? And even if Steven Silas, I think, to a man – is a good deserving coach it's more of just all the moving pieces and 
the uncertainty of what this culture is with the ownership. Uh, so with that, the Rockets are in a really tough spot because if you have your star players that don't want to be there, obviously it requires them to be willing to trade them, but it would be really hard to enter the season with them on the team. But the challenging thing is, what do you get in return? And I think because you have either championship contending teams that aren't going to be giving up their assets to get another star player or a young team that's thinking, okay, is it really worth us to get rid of all this young talent and all these draft picks if we're just getting one of these guys and it doesn't get us any anywhere substantially? That's where that tough, tough work uh, in the road that the Rockets are at. So, so far they've been just trying to accumulate assets and wait it out, but I don't know if there's going to be a happy ending on Houston's end with what they could get in return. So, Mark, you mentioned, you know, what they'd potentially want in return. Obviously, this Brooklyn rumor looming with Harden, um, we can joke all we want another time about how the ball would be shared there between Harden, Kyrie, and KD. But uh, in all seriousness, they've got uh, an interesting package to offer. Um, or it's an interesting uh, group of players that Houston would no doubt ask for. Um, is this something that you see materializing over the next uh, week or so? And if you're Brooklyn, is it worth giving up all of that to then create this three-headed monster with very limited depth? Yeah, I don't think there's an easy answer to that. The Nets have the assets to do it. Um, I, if I had to make the decision, and I'm not making the decisions on my money, but I would lean against that. Look, um, Kevin Durant and James Harden, I think that they could coexist well, even though their roles and their circumstances are no KC were different. They at least have that relationship there. I think one of the underrated things that Kevin didn't get enough credit for with Golden State is, for the most part, he found a way to be his – be himself, be Kevin Durant, one of the best scorers in the NBA, but also being a team guy. But I have skepticism on how the dynamic with Kyrie Irving and James Harden would work um, because those are two ball-dominant guys and they're two alphas. And even if they come in with the right intentions of, hey, like all that matters is winning, they also know that when they have the ball in their hands nine times out of ten, that's usually the best option. And so at some point, there could be an impasse with that. Now, Steve Nash, he's a first-year coach, but he has Hall of Fame credentials. He has a great personality. I think that he could navigate some of those waters in relationships. But I think when you weigh all the variables, the potential things that could combust are way too much, would be way too much for me to pull the trigger on that. But we'll see how the Nets actually feel about that. Is there anybody that makes sense right now in terms of uh, where the organization is at in terms of being close enough to compete assets that they have in terms of making a deal for Russell Westbrook? Um, you could say maybe Charlotte, maybe New York. Now there is a danger that both of those teams would give up everything and then they're left with Westbrook who's a great talent but then nothing else 
But I think there could also be a scenario of either of those teams maybe fleecing the Rockets. Like I, I very, I'm very skeptical that the Rockets could really get anything that warrants, hey, we're at least just cutting our losses. I think it's going to be a tough road for them regardless of how this plays out. Um, not a lot of easy answers with that, but that's, that's why you got to answer the phones and, and see what teams are going to be willing to do. A lot of money on that contract. A lot of money on that contract. Um, BJ, I'm going to keep flying along here. Um, Thunder make the big deal with the Suns. Uh, BJ, jump on this, jump into this in a moment. Uh, CP3 now in Phoenix. Paul, Booker, Bridges, Aiton. Um, what do we make of this core? And what do, they add, what do they need to add next to, like, really propel themselves into the, the middle of this Western Conference uh, playoff race in the upcoming year? Go BJ first. Oh, you want me to go? Okay. Um, a little three-man weave, BJ. A little yeah, yeah, weave. yeah. No, I was, I, I was anticipating. I wanted to hear Mark's answer. This, this is the expert here. I, wanted to hear <laughs> I was looking at to my sales. Like, okay, <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the no, happen, so. I wanted to hear. Oh, okay. So, so let's let's I, go. Let's go this first. BJ, what does Chris Paul bring to those younger players? Mark, what does Phoenix look to add after this? BJ, you're first. Well, I, I think what Chris Paul brings is stability to the leadership there in Phoenix. And we have to remember, I don't know when the last time they've made the playoffs. It's got to be like, I don't know, 09 or just got to be at least nine or 10 years since they've been I in think the playoffs. Since yeah, somewhere around there. And what Chris Paul brings is stability to the leadership, especially in the locker room. And this franchise over the last decade or so has kind of been flailing to draft players or get a player who can give them that level of leadership on and off the floor. So they have that now with Chris Paul. Clearly, Devin Booker, what he's been able to do, he is a young up-and-coming star player. I mean, this young man has shown the ability to score, but it hasn't always translated in the winning column for this franchise and for this organization. Now, with the addition of DeAndre Ayton, I think he would probably be the biggest beneficiary of Chris Paul because Chris Paul has shown the ability in the past that when he does have athletic bigs, a la Tyson Chandler, a la DeAndre Jordan, he has the ability to really allow those guys to be big, tall athletes who play what we call vertical basketball. I, I like the move. I don't know what this does for the future. We have to always remember speed and quickness is only good for two things. It gets you in trouble and it gets you out. Chris Paul is 35 years of age. He is a smaller guard. And I'm always aware that, you know, these young guys, John Morant, these guys keep coming in this league, younger and younger, faster, De'Aaron Fox. Chris Paul isn't like 25 or 26. You know, he's, he's an older guard. I think the situation that he had there in OKC, he really benefited from because he didn't have to guard the other team's starting guard for 35-plus minutes like he used to do you know, he did that every single night for many years in this league. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player. But when you're 35, 36 years of age and you got to guard Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose, John Morant, De'Aaron Fox, and the list just goes on, that takes a toll on you. So I thought last year with Schroeder and the other kid, um, uh, Alexander. Shea Alexander, I thought he really benefited because he could pick and choose. 
you know, he would maybe do it 10, 15 minutes tonight. Maybe he would do it 20 minutes the next night. But he doesn't have to, the, the burden. He doesn't have the burden of doing it for 35 plus minutes, which is a lot in today's game. So um, I like the move. I like what it does. I think DeAndre Ayton should have a massive year. I think Booker will continue to improve. But the most important thing, guys, I'll say this in closing, is I think now the expectations have been raised there in Phoenix. This is a team where I think all of us would agree that they should be in the playoffs. And in the right matchup, they could be a problem in the playoffs. They have size. They have a point guard. They have a guy who can score in the ring. They still have Bridges, the kid there. I like him. And um, you never know. And I, and I love Monty. I mean, Monty is, you know, is one of my favorites as a coach in this league. So, uh, I, I, overall, I like, the, I like the, the trade. But, again, I want to keep in, you know, in the back of my mind, at least, or I think the organization should be careful, is you don't want to be playing Chris Paul extended minutes regularly during the regular season. I think in the playoffs, you got to do what you got to do. But if I start to see his minutes creeping up to 37, 38 minutes a night to get a win on the road during the regular season, I think um, that's going to be a problem for them later in the season. Mark, anyone you think they're going to target to uh, fill out this roster? Obviously, Oubre's gone, Rubio's gone, uh, Ty Jerome, who's got some ability as a second unit point guard, is gone. Who, who do you think Phoenix looks at? You know, I'm not sure. There could be, you know, this isn't their first choice, but this could be what is primarily and obviously they want to keep upgrading, but I think this is a heck of a starting point because of the partnership that Chris Paul had with Williams, the fact that he was able to get through a season healthy, unlike the previous few years in Houston. And, you know, Devin Booker was getting to the point where his perception around the league was that he wasn't just producing on empty calories. Uh, he was a guy that wants to learn, get better, be a complete player. Um, and, and I'm fascinated. I think when you're looking at Chris specifically, BJ brought, brought a really good point about the concerns about his health. And that is frankly why Houston made that deal primarily in the first place. I mean, look, it didn't help that Chris and, and Harden had some tension here. But I think the overwhelming factor was they saw the last two playoff runs. Hey, Chris is getting hurt again. We can't afford that. And Russell Westbrook has been really durable. And so I think that the Suns should really keep in mind that even if things went really well with the Thunder, it also hinged on their young players playing well and their training staff managing Chris Paul really well. Then I think on the other thing, um, this might be a good lesson as far as Houston goes with Russell Westbrook. You know, I remember when Oklahoma City got Chris Paul, some people were thinking, oh, that contract's going to be untradeable. I think that there is a way for them still to trade it, and, and the team that should get them should look to what Oklahoma City did, where let's put Russ in a position where, you know, we're not exposing him to all the frustrations, making him feel empowered, but also put him in a responsibility to develop the young players. And, you know, sometimes he's had a mixed track record of that, but I think with Houston, he also had frustrations because of kind of the lack of consistent 
standards and accountability that were, that was spread across the locker room. Copy that. Good stuff, Mark. Appreciate you joining us today. This was a, uh, a great catch up, obviously a lot happening around the league. And before you know it, we're going to bother you again for uh, some season previews. So, uh, Less than a month near, away. Stay near the phone. Less than a month. I'm kind of in shell shock right now about how this calendar is moving. But uh, we'll figure it out. We appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, if you've got anything breaking and developing, uh, you know, hit BJ up right away. And, uh, we'll get it going. Sounds like a plan. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate it, Mark. Take care. Stay safe, my friend. Uh, you guys do the same. Another episode of the books, the Pure Hoops podcast. Special thanks as always, producer Mike Lieber, the one and only Bruce Bernstein, editor Tom Phillips, and the entire Pure Hoops media team and family. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show dropping each and every Monday. Jenny Fisher talks college ball every Tuesday. Look out soon for Jenny's new co-host as John Fanta has left the nest. Good luck to John on his future endeavors and everything he's doing. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each and every Wednesday. Every Thursday, Monica McNutt, King McClure bring you buckets, boards, and blocks. And each and every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and myself, Eric Newman. Please check out all our shows. Subscribe, download, rate, review, share. Most of all, enjoy. We'll see you next week. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.